which audience are we standing for? Is it for the perception that we want to communicate to people or is it about standing right before the Lord? I had a friend of mine years ago who said something that's it's kind of stayed with me throughout ministry. He was preaching a sermon and he said, I care much more about what God knows than I care about what people think. And I think if we would take that mindset into our discussions, into our disagreements, then we can have a disagreement on a much different set of rules than the world does. Dr. Lee Brand Jr. is the Dean of Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary, and he's our guest today. He's no stranger to Mid-South Viewpoint. Dr. Brand, welcome to the program. Thank you, man. Glad to be with you. What's been going on with you? We're moving into 2021 now. It's been a few months since we've gotten together. Well, a little bit of everything. I mean, it's a lot of fun. It's super busy, like with everybody, adapting to COVID. But seminary work's going wonderful, man, and the Lord's just leading me into new things. And so it's a lot of fun. What are some of the adjustments the seminary is making in light of COVID? Well, we've had to rely a whole lot more on our online platforms. I mean, they were already in place. But students, you know, that may not feel comfortable being in residential classes, we had to do that and really make those avenues more available to them. And then also having to modify our chapel. We don't have residential chapel this semester, didn't have it last semester, in fact, had to go to virtual chapel the semester before. So those are some of the adjustments. But, you know, the wipe down protocols and all the sanitary uh, procedures, all that kind of stuff. Well, one of the reasons I invited you today was an announcement that was made recently about you being nominated for the first vice president for the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah. That's an honor, right? It's a very big honor. Big honor, man. I had some people reach out to me and ask me to pray about it, and I did. And my wife and I prayed and just felt led of the Lord. We had been praying for some time that, Lord, is there something more we need to be doing, something else? This was nowhere on my horizon at all. I wasn't thinking anything like this. My philosophy is always your, your yes ought to be on the table. And yeah. So felt led in that direction. Well, congratulations. Thank you, man. Thank you know, you. when we were talking about, and I gave you kind of a short notice for us to do this, and I really appreciate you stopping by today. You asked me to shoot you some bullet points. Sure. One of those points was, well, several of the points was this nomination, mm-hmm. the future that you see of the Southern Baptist Convention, also talk about the seminary and the gospel. And yes. usually when a preacher does his sermon, at the very end of his message, a gospel presentation is given. Why don't we start with the gospel? I'm good with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because <laughs> I think there's some confusion, like there was in the early church, what the gospel is, how I can know I'm saved, what is the process of salvation, sure. what's the gospel really all about? I mean, the gospel is about Jesus Christ, and specifically it's about what he's done to redeem us, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Those elements are the crux of the gospel, and I think what's happening today is almost a a co-opting of the term where everything is becoming the gospel. But there's a great danger there because if everything is the gospel, you reach a point where nothing is the gospel. Daryl Harrison, I believe you know him, Just Thinking Podcast. Mm -hmm. He is on staff with Grace to You Ministries as their social media guru. Daryl has been on this program before. I think you guys have shared some stage time in conferences too, haven't you? We did at the Gospels Enough conference. I was blessed to be there with him in that conference. Something that he tweeted recently was the problem with many of the churches that exist within evangelicalism, particularly in America, is that no one sins anymore. God is no longer a God of wrath, and all one needs to do to get to heaven is die. That kind of gospel may tickle people's ears, but it won't save them. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I go back as far as thinking even along the lines of Spurgeon when he said, you know, we must get them lost before we can get them saved. 
I praise God for his grace. I'm grateful for grace. But if we don't talk about the lostness of people, there's nowhere to hang that grace. There's nothing to lay that grace over. And I think therein is a big problem that we see today. If, you know, if, if there is no wrong, if there's no one who sets the standard for what's right and wrong, how do we ever get into a conversation about what the gospel is and what the implications of the gospel are? Also, we're hearing all kinds of terminology when we talk about culture and society and all the divisions, sure. even within the church. And one of the things talked about a lot recently is cancel culture. Yeah. And you've talked about this, I know, in the past. Sure. A post from Psychology Today back in 2019, five reasons why people love cancel culture. And this was done by a PhD student at the University of Cambridge. There are five reasons he gives why cancel culture is so effective. Cancel culture increases social status. Research reveals that sociometric status, respect and admiration from other peers, is more important to our sense of well-being than social economic status. For social strivers, cancel culture has created new opportunities to move up by taking others down. I mean, when you think about that, there's a little terminology I use myself when I start talking about any issue. I think the church is in danger because what we've allowed ourselves to do is to adopt two things from the world that we don't need. One is the tone of the world, and two is the terminology of the world. When we try to bring those things over into the body of Christ and have a conversation, you're talking about things born from a lost mind versus things to be handled by those who have the mind of Christ. We don't need the tone in our conversations, no matter how much we might disagree about something. We don't need to adopt the world's tone about that, and we certainly don't need their terms or their tactics. And I think that's doing a great disservice to who we are as believers to be pulling in these worldly things into our conversations. And you see it all the time. Another point is made, cancel culture reduces the social status of enemies. Plainly, if there's an activity that will elevate the status of oneself or one's group, people will do it. One approach to elevation is to do something good, but doing something good requires effort and the possibility of failure. Fortunately, another option exists, broadcasting the bad behavior of others. Yeah. In this framework of cancel culture, pointing out others' faults, what about their own heart? You know, sure. the, the darkness of heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can understand it? Case in point, I had a man reach out to me on Facebook a few days ago about a letter that had surfaced somewhere, and he wanted my thoughts on it. And I was just reading through the thread. This guy who reached out to me as a pastor, and I'm assuming that several of the people who responded were uh, Christians, and they were just blistering this guy in the letter that he wrote. And so anyway, he asked me my opinion of it. And I said, I think there's some wrong on both sides of the issue. I think there's some uh, there's some misinformation in the actual writing that the man put out. I said, but here's the thing. He wrote that to another supposed to be brother in the Lord. And I didn't think that our responsibility was to blast people on social media as much as it was to sit down and talk with a brother. I said, so the same Bible that points out the wrong in that man's letter also points out the wrong in the behavior of the brother who released it for the public to go view it, consume it, and attack. I mean, where have we come as society? Another point here, research shows that people engage in moral grandstanding to enhance their social rank. That's so backwards. Well, again, to me, it's placating to the culture. It's not so much about what's right and wrong. It's about how can this position me? How can this set me up for something else? Because, again, taking the same concept to bear, Whatever I'm pointing out on another person as a Christian, 
What is my motive? What's my rationale for doing that? But also by what means am I doing that? Am I employing what Jesus said about going to my brother? Then if he doesn't hear me, take another brother. And then if that doesn't work, don't take him to social media. Let's go to the church about this. Dr. Brand, there's plenty of references in Scripture that tell us as Christians we are obviously in the world, but not to be of the world. Sure. And I think there again, which audience are we standing for? Is it for the perception that we want to communicate to people or is it about standing right before the Lord? I had a friend of mine years ago who said something that's it's kind of stayed with me throughout ministry. He was preaching a sermon, and he said, I care much more about what God knows than I care about what people think. And I think if we would take that mindset into our discussions, into our disagreements, then we can have a disagreement on a much different set of rules than the world does. I love that. John 15, 19, Jesus said, I chose you out of the world. Because of this, the world hates you. And I think there, that whole concept, placating to the world, if we're going to do it Christ's way, the world is going to hate us because the world is being led by an entirely different master than believers are. And there are going to be points at which our whole thought process is completely incompatible with the world because it's driven by the Holy Spirit under the guidance of his word. If we are being light to those who are in spiritual darkness, what should being in the world and not of it practically look like for us each day? I think it's living out the teachings of God's Word. I think where we're losing so much ground is on the major issue that I believe I champion as a preacher, as a dean, that we champion as a school. That is the sufficiency of Scripture. The Scripture's enough. We don't need something else to inform our Christian living We've got it in the Bible. Now, pick it up from the pages of Scripture, empowered by the Spirit of God in us, and let's live that out. Live it out. And living it out can be a challenge. Absolutely. I mean, if we talk about the current racial tensions in our world, I think there are ways very overtly mentioned in the Bible of how we handle this. To me, the Acts 13 church is a complete model of what racial reconciliation looks like. We don't have to have an outside source to fix this. We need to take the primary source we have and live it. Well, as we mentioned, you have been nominated for this Southern Baptist Convention position. First vice president. Now, that nomination will be in June, I believe, at the convention. Will there be others contending for the same spot? I would imagine so. Right now, I don't know of any, but I'm sure there will be. How does Tiffany, your wife, feel about this? Man, my wife's great. The Lord blessed me beyond measure when he gave Tiffany to me. And and her thing to me has always been this. If the Lord's leading you there, I'm with you. You know, and so as we pray, that's right where she is. Well, as I mentioned, you are, of course, the dean of Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary, also a two-time graduate from the seminary. Yeah, I stayed around long (laughs) enough, man. They said, hey, take this paper and leave. You were 12 years old when you gave your life to Christ. You remember that day? I do. I do. I remember sitting in a a little church out in the country, Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, and uh, Ben Jones was my pastor. And I was probably taller than him at the point that uh, he was preaching. But the question that he asked, I never will forget. He got to the end of his sermon, and I don't even remember what he preached, but I remember this question. He said, if you were to die now, right now, where would you spend eternity? And it was like the church was vacant, like there was nobody there but me. And I felt like I was under a spotlight. And I remember just the weight of conviction hit me. And in the invitation, I, I went down, and he made this statement to me that I've used so many times. He said, now, you, you're welcome to give me your hand, but give God your heart. Life's been different. (laughs) It's been different, Ed. I actually have life, let me say that. At 22, you started pastoring. That was your first church, is that right? That was Bethel Missionary Baptist Church in rural central Mississippi, where you stayed for 
20 years pastoring well, at church. Almost 20. Almost, I stayed 17 and a half. Okay, yep. close to 20 mm-hmm. years before getting the call to come to the seminary. Sure. Some of the greatest years of my life were spent there. You know, um, those people were very gracious. They were uh, very supportive, and the Lord really did some wonderful things as we worked to evangelize our community, uh, to engage our community for Christ. It was, it, was, it was a special time. What did you learn, Dr. Brand, about being a pastor at Bethel that seminary never taught you? What I mean by that, you know, I mean, there's sure. the academics. There's practicum, too. Don't get me wrong. I understand that when sure. you're in school. But they can't prepare you for everything. Well, I don't think anything can prepare you for how deeply— you must love the Lord and people. And what I mean by that, people that you care deeply for that can have you celebrating in the next turn can crush you. And it may not even be intentional, but you've got to be able to work past that, love them with the love of Christ, and continue shepherding those people regardless to the other factors. Your nomination was announced by your pastor, James Lewis of DeSoto Hills Baptist Church in South Haven. How did that make you feel? Really humbled, man, really, really appreciative. I've really made it my mission in, in life and in ministry. I feel like I'm a servant, even at the church I belong to now. The first time I met my pastor, it wasn't for me to go tell him who I was, what my job was. I didn't throw out a title. Yeah. I told him my name, and I said, I, I work at Mid-America. Not ashamed of what I do, but that's not my lead in. And for him to uh, be willing to nominate me you know, or to put my name out for a nomination, it meant a lot, man. I understand the role and work of a shepherd, and that's the, he shepherds my family. Well, he describes you as a fellow pilgrim who walks beside his pastor, encouraging me along the way. He has a deep and growing passion for God's Word, God's people, and God's servants. He believes strongly in the inerrant and sufficient message of God's Word and the mission of the local church. In the role at the seminary, he is helping equip a new generation of church leaders for Bible-based, spirit-led, and God-honoring ministry. Dr. Brand, how do you equip a new generation of church leaders to tackle the issues that the church is facing today? For me, man, so many things are about fundamentals. If I go back to the years I played ball, um, great football players master fundamentals. To me, great leaders master fundamentals. The greatest leader of all is Jesus, and I think his model has always worked, and it's servant leadership. And I try not only to teach that, but I try to live that. So in my role as a pastor, as a dean, uh, if the Lord blesses me to become the first vice president of the convention, that's what I want to bring to our convention, that heart for pastoral servant leadership. Are you seeing numbers decreasing from those wanting to pursue a Bible-based, spirit-led, and God-honoring ministry at the seminary and at the college, mm-hmm. Mid-America College? You're seeing students. Where's the barometer right now? Well, I don't know if it's so much that the heart is not there to pastor, but there's almost a mentality of field now of the bivocational life of a pastor being the way to go. And I think what I'm seeing in a lot of our students is that desire I want to shepherd people. I want to do it the Lord's way, but I think they feel called to what may be a more bivocational life than a traditional church setting where they can be full-time in ministry. Dr. Michael Spradlin, the president of Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary, said about you, the ideal seminary dean because of his passion for the Bible, love for the local church, and his courage to stand on the truth of Scripture against any and all falsehoods, even if he stands alone. Have you ever had a stand alone before on any issue? Well, I don't know if I've stood alone, but I may have had to be the one to stand first and then figure out if anybody would come. Um, there were times in Starkville I had to deal with a few things, and, and at that time it wasn't standing alone, but I was actually standing out front. 
uh, on some issues regarding LGBTQ issues in our uh, city. And um, and I was fine to do that because not not grandstanding, but I felt a deep burden in my heart that if somebody doesn't stand, then who will? And uh, so, yes, I mean, I have those experiences and I could go through some others. I mean, even in church life that we don't have to get into yes, details. Sure. of. But yeah. yeah, sure. What are some of the falsehoods the church seems to be attracted to today? Well, I mean, one of those, I think, today is the idea that race relations are the ticket. They're the thing. And don't get me wrong. Are they important? Absolutely. But the worst problem that we face in our world is that people are lost. People are not reconciled unto God. And there's never going to be reconciliation in the horizontal if there's not reconciliation in the vertical. And I think the church is missing a great opportunity to hone in on what the real problems are. Because if a man or woman gets right with God... Other things fall into place. I mean, again, I go back, I'm a preacher, go back to the Bible, the Acts 13 model. Around the table in Acts 13 are Paul, Barnabas, and Menaean. Menaean is raised in the house of Herod the Tetrarch. He's a representative of the government that has been oppressing Paul's people. But they're at the table of fellowship together. How can they do that? Because they've been reconciled unto Christ, and now they're reconciled unto each other. Oh, that's a good word there, Dr. Brand. Well, Dr. Danny Singfield is a longtime pastor of Faith Baptist Church in Bartlett, says about you that you understand the challenges facing the Southern Baptist churches today. What are some of those challenges, and how do you intend to conquer the hurdles? Well, I think, again, and and I may sound like I'm beating the same drum, I, I think there are basically four issues that I would highlight that are opportunities. The first one, and the biggest one, is sufficiency of Scripture. If the Bible is enough, if it's sufficient, then do we need to be pulling in these other things, these other theories, frameworks, whatever they might be, to help us know how to operate as believers in the world? The other thing that I think we have a great opportunity to do is strengthen some partnerships on a grassroots level. I think that pastors, local pastors, local church planners, the average person in the pew needs to understand, and we need to understand from a conventional um standpoint. We work for those people. We're there to serve them, no matter how small or rural that congregation may be, no matter how large or how urban their context may be. The convention serves all of its churches. And then going further, the crux of sharing the gospel, the gospel as it is in the Bible, the the redeeming power of Jesus Christ, which has been a hallmark of the SBC since its inception. You're talking about billions of dollars in infrastructure and resources that I think need to be stewarded according to God's word. So those are the big things for me. Virgil Walker, of course, he co-hosts the Just Thinking sure. podcast with Daryl Harrison, who we quoted a moment ago. He's the executive director of operations at G3 Ministries and the co-host of the Just Thinking podcast. As I mentioned, I don't have time to read all he said about you. He said some very nice things, mm-hmm. but he said, like so many others, Brand does not believe the SBC's best days are behind it. You don't believe that? Absolutely not. We live in days of great darkness. What better day to be light? And I think that the SBC is positioned to continue holding up the light of Jesus Christ. Now, I think at this moment in SBC life, we have to make a real determination. Are we going to make ourselves continue to be about the gospel and the gospel alone and reaching people for Jesus? Or are we going to be co-opted by secondary social issues that may or may not be real issues. You believe that there are countless SBC members 
like yourself who believe that things can be turned around. Sure. How do you do it? I think, first of all, prayerfully. Uh, We can do nothing without the Lord. He makes that clear in his word. I mean, Jesus says in John 15, abide in me. Without me, you can do nothing. I think we start there. And then we have to have some very honest conversations around the Bible, around what we say, because there, there, there are these terms being tossed around. There are these words being said, like we're saying we believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. That's a proclamation, but it's not always practiced. If the Bible is sufficient to teach me about whatever sin is, whatever that sin manifestation is, then I don't have to have anyone other than the Bible and the Lord to tell me what's right and wrong. Case in point, on our racial issues that we're facing, now there seems to be this notion that to understand racial issues, they can't be understood if, if a black or brown person is not speaking into the issue. But is that true? Because if the Bible calls it wrong, and I can read the Bible, and the Holy Spirit lives in me, he can teach me what racism or partiality is without anyone else weighing in on that. Because if we're going to take that route, then what we've just done is a sleight of hand. We've made lived experience the filter through which we've got to understand Scripture. So if we're going to do that and apply that across the board, here's where we're going. If you get a pastor who's a single man, then he can never preach about marriage because that's not his lived experience. If you get a couple and that pastor and his wife can't naturally have children, then that pastor can't preach about raising children because he doesn't have biological children. He doesn't have the lived experience. So is the hermeneutic lived experience or is it the Holy Spirit leading us through the Bible? Yeah, I've been reading in the the Gospel of Mark, the 10th chapter, the Pharisees were trying to, again, trap Jesus on the issue of divorce. Jesus said, what did Moses say? Well, Moses gave us a certificate that we could send our wives away. But Jesus told him, it's because of the hardness of your heart. Yeah. What does God say? And then he defined what marriage is between one man and one woman. It's a sacred covenant between the two. But they were trying to accommodate Mm -hmm. their own sinful nature. To me, the Bible has the ultimate reset. And what I mean by that, it takes us back to where we need to be. In that conversation, what Jesus says is, no, 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 this is the accommodation that was given. But here's always been the order. Bam. Here's the order. Now, no matter where you've trailed off, no matter where you've gotten off, where your bearings have moved, here's the order. Come back to the order. Here's what you were told to do. And it's that way as it relates to marriage, as it relates to gender, no matter what the issue is, God, through his word, has given us. Here's the line. And my personal conviction from the Bible is this. If God has designed whatever it is, then only God can define whatever it is, whether that's marriage, whether that's manhood, womanhood, and we can go down the list on those. Wow, I love that. It's been said that your priorities are very simple. Walk faithfully with God, love your family, reach the world with the gospel, preach the word. And if I do that, life will live. <laughs> you know, because I think, again, my ultimate relationship, and my family knows this, is with Christ. I am no good to lead my wife or my children in the way they need to be going if I'm not following the Lord. The great burden of headship for me is to make sure my connection with him is clear and clean and that it's right. Because if I'm walking with the Lord, then I have the spiritual undergirding in my own life to lead my family. And then it goes to my family. And that's, there's an order there. It's Tiffany first, then it's my children. And they know that. We're a team. Me and Tiffany are. And we were a team before we had kids. Those are my priorities.
Well, I also said we would talk about the seminary. So before absolutely. We, we head out, we want to do that. Exciting things are happening at the seminary. Man, absolutely, man. The Lord is really blessing us. We've been able to maintain during COVID and things like that. Um, if I had to kind of describe where we are as a seminary, uh, it's kind of in two words, staying true. We're getting close to our 50-year anniversary. Over the course of that almost 50 years, we have championed three very basic things, the Bible, missions, and evangelism, and that has not changed at all. In fact, I'm excited we're getting uh, ready to launch a new degree program in the fall in the seminary, degree in apologetics. I'm just excited about where we are, wonderful faculty, man, great staff. The Lord is doing some things at Mid-America. A couple of things I want to mention, too, is the Sunrise Breakfast. It's a virtual setting right now on Wednesday mornings. Yes, that's a, it's a virtual setting. That's, that's Dr. Spradlin's baby, and he uh, does a wonderful job there in the Sunrise Breakfast. It's been a longstanding thing for us, but having to move it virtually for some COVID accommodations. And so you're encouraged each Wednesday morning at 7 o'clock to travel with Dr. Spradlin verse by verse through the books of the Bible. You can go to the live stream by visiting mabts.edu forward slash live, and it's also broadcast on the Mid-America Facebook page, too. And something else I notice I want to mention too, Dr. Brand, is the Mid-America Prayer Ministry based on Isaiah 62, 6, and 7, where you're seeking men and women outside of the seminary to come along and pray for the seminary. Absolutely. Because I believe, brother, everything that we need, uh, and again, this is out of the president's office, the, the, the prayer ministry, but I really do believe everything that we need is handled on the ground of prayer. Our God has all resources and he has everything that we need, and we have, we have to ask him. And I think that having people come along with us and, and partner with us to pray is one of the greatest things we could ever have. It's funny you asked the question because I was thinking uh, on my way in, not knowing what all the questions would be, but if I was asked about what our needs are, they're twofold. The first one is prayer. We need prayer. We need people passionately crying out to God on our behalf because, again, apart from him, we can do nothing. But then along with that, we need people. We need people in the seats in class, and that may be a virtual seat. We need people prayerfully, uh, let the Lord to partner with us because I think, just like our convention, I think the best days of Mid-America, the most needed days, are the days from here forward. Because, again, the world is not getting lighter and lighter. It's getting darker and darker. Yes. And that means we need the gospel, and we train people in that, and we hold it up in Mid-America. Oh, that's great, Dr. Brand. Let me remind those that are watching and listening right now that you can call the number 901-751-3030 if you would like to find out more information about being part of this Mid-America Prayer Ministry. And you don't have to be a seminary student or a pastor. If somebody has a heart for God, wants to lift up the school in prayer, please call that number, 901-751-3030. I always love when we get together. Man, it's a fun time, man. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you so much, brother, what you do for Christ's kingdom. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Hope you have a great day. I'm Byron Tyler. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.